the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I try to put together a show every day with the intent of giving you one or two nuggets that you can walk away from saying, okay, I can talk money at the water cooler, but we don't go to the water cooler anymore. Uh, before I came on this segment, I was I, it dawned on me that they don't really need me in person ever again. I haven't been live in radio in over a year. I could have grown a beard down to the bottom of my feet. <laughs> no one would notice. It was like, whoa. So let's try to put that into the conversation, shall we? Things are a little unsettling right now as we are going to transition back. And um, I've got a dog, 0111110, and she's a good girl. As I'm going back to work or the thought of going back to work, I'm like, she's been with me for over a year. She's not going to like that. <laughs> she's going to you know, look for me to like stick around and, and she's going to get stressed out. Believe it or not, there's some investment lessons there. Right now, we're going back to work, and that's the big theme on Wall Street is back to school. I'm seeing my teacher, my friends who are teachers on Facebook giving their shots, and they're all like, ooh, they're in cars together, and they're all giddy and excited and shot, 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 and then obviously some people are going to shame them, like, why are you taking it before the kids? Or, because that's social media, right? So there's a transition going on where we are going back. We, we are starting to get a little bit more optimistic. I can tell you in the last five days, I've had more dreams and fantasies about going off to Mexico or Hawaii or somewhere tropical and just plopping my, my tushy on a beach and chill. With warm sand under my tushy, I would be a happy man. So there's a transition. Mentally, it's not quite there economically, but to get there economically, our government's going to about to spend another $2 trillion dollars. And that should get us there with a little bit more left over on the side of the table. But does it get us there with a little bit of inflation? Well, we already see home prices inflating. Yesterday, we did the story about home prices up 10%. Long-term inflation is not good for the uh, American economy. We want people to slowly be able to afford a home, not to be suddenly priced out of owning a home. So my goal on the show is always to give you a nugget or two. Now, we've been beating that drum of a transition for a while. Um, does it mean that it happens? No, because there's a buy the dip mentality that has worked nonstop for 10 straight years. And it'll work, as my friend Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com says, until it doesn't. Some other news in the uh, some other news in the headlines. Bitcoin rebounded above 50,000. Uh, the going bet or the going wager on Wall Street is over under 100,000 this year. And again, I'm trying to give you a nugget you can go talk to someone at the water cooler, but we're not going to the water cooler about. Today, if you're going to go get a coffee with a friend, hey, with all the banter and crazy talk about Bitcoin, I don't know any, but do you think it goes to 100000 this year or not? I love conversations like that. 
Johnson & Johnson single shot COVID-19 vaccine for emergency use has been approved. To me, that is nothing but good, except for the fact that we are a divided nation. Um, and I had a person, uh, dog person, actually, a couple days of my life, tell me that COVID wasn't real. It's just a flu. Don't get the flu. Don't get the vaccine. And I was like, what do you, you know, my mom died of, of COVID, right? Oh, she just died from something else. I'm like, I wanted to say you, B-I-T, you know, you know where I'm going with that one, right? <laughs> She breeds dogs. Like, you don't know anything about vac- uh, vac- Like, that's just crazy talk to me. Like, I don't know. Next time you get surgery, lady, do you want your doctor to wear a mask or not? And she, she'd probably go like, oh, you don't have to wear masks. You're just opening up my heart and putting your hands in them. Do you want them to wear gloves or not? Oh, you don't have to do that either. But in this case, uh, yeah, people. So Tiger Woods was in a car crash yesterday, and I think that's a big story. Because it, again, is something you could talk to your kids about. It's something you could talk to your coworkers about. Disability insurance. His career, I think, is probably over. Maybe I'm doing that too soon. Go tell that to the quarterback, Alex Smith, from the Washington football team. When he shattered his leg, oh, he'll never play again. He's got that uh, uh, quarterback Joe Theismann thing going on. Joe Theismann, who changed his name from Theismann to Theismann to rhyme with Heisman. How's that for arrogant? Forbes called Tiger Woods the first athlete to reach one billion in career earnings. Now, in career earnings, this again just reminds me. Um, that you are not Tiger Woods, and you are not going to have that billion-dollar cushion to fall back on. So you should have disability insurance. I wonder if Tiger has disability insurance. This is a, a great example where you know two athletes in one year can teach us essentially two very big important life lessons. Kobe Bryant wasn't earning money as a basketball player, but he's still earning money from endorsements, and he would have for a long period of time, and he died. That's why you have life insurance, that ability to cover that income for a long period of time. Term life insurance is the cheapest life insurance you can buy because mathematically you're not going to die in a helicopter wreck. Disability insurance, I think, is the most important insurance to have while you're young. If you're 20 and you're not thinking about it, you're a fool. When you're 20, you're invincible. That's when you pay. You get the low premiums. But you get it for those years where you're in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s where you're a high earner. Now, again, if you want to skip disability insurance, maxing it out and doing it properly in your 20s, I get it. We're all going to make mistakes. And, and you – probably will be lucky enough to, to skate right through it because you're young and beautiful and healthy and you've got a strong immune system. And But whew, you also do a lot of stupider things in your 20s. So I think these two athletes are not reaching out from the grave because Tiger's not dead. But his ability to go out and earn a paycheck of a million dollars a week, probably not going to go away completely because he, his sponsors will stick with him because he was known as a winner, all things considered. Although his legacy is going to be an interesting one with a DUI car accident, this car accident, um, it reminds you you also want to have good car insurance. You don't want to be finding – again, that was a sponsor's car. And I, instantly I was like, he's not going to pay for a penny for that. Um, he was at a, an event raising money for charity, I'm assuming, something along those lines, getting some brand awareness for himself, getting some brand awareness for the, the event. Speeds away from the hotel in the morning, gets into a car accident. Um, to, uh, car insurance, disability insurance, life insurance. Are we not getting that from our, our life lessons from what we see in the news headlines every day? 
So Kobe should have given you that ability to say, what if I do die in a car play, uh, airplane crash or a car crash? You saw someone who was too young to die too early, and he still had that ability to earn income. Now, again, when you're worth a billion, it's not that important because your family's not going to miss you if you die. But most of us aren't worth a billion, and they are going to miss our paycheck if we die too early. And I saw the other day uh, someone was 52 years old and died. And I go, wait, 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 wait. No, I, I, I don't want to say it out loud, but I think I'm that age. And I'm like, let's hope it was a drug overdose because I'm not going to drug overdose. Like, I'm like, keep my fingers crossed as the headline hits the newswire, right? PlayStation 5 is going to be hard to find until the fall. This story teaches me a lot. Number one, 40% of American adults play video games. Number two, we're underinvested in video game investments um, and the semiconductors that go into them. And the, the hardware is being delayed from demand, but also some supply issues. Good business lessons in the headlines every day. Black Black talking all things financial money investment. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Money investing and more. Yesterday, I turned on the news, the news news, after ending my show and Tiger Woods was in the news. Um, and you're like, whoa, Tiger Woods in a car crash. And you're like, okay, your phone starts blowing up a little bit. Perhaps it was a little bit more than a year ago, and it was. My phone started blowing up. Kobe Bryant, helicopter crash. More details to follow. Fortunately for Tiger Woods, it appears that he will live. I don't know the whole story. I had a very dark feeling all day yesterday because the news was never being updated. Tiger Woods car crash. Tiger Woods leg accidents. Um, you're like, okay, I wonder if he's going to keep the legs. Like, I went dark fast. You might remember a couple of years ago, the PGA had an issue where a caddy was started developing a muscular disease over his lifetime. Not a caddy, but a player. But then the PGA said he has to carry his own bag or something along those lines. He had to walk the course. So instantly, I was like, Tiger's done. Um, legs are important in golf. And I'm like, I wonder how I feel about that. And again, I could be wrong on all of this. He probably has his legs. And his legs can probably be repaired and play golf. But instantly I'm going, he's done. So yesterday may be the end of a storied career. The man won 15 majors. He was involved in headline news with PGA for, you know, he, I mean, I'm not saying he made it, but he's, we'll talk about that. Tiger will never, ever attend events like he used to on a regular basis. He had already started ramping down his career, recovering from back surgery after back surgery after back surgery. This quickly reminds me, physically, you're not going to be able to hold yourself together forever. Professional athletes have a much tougher time of it, obviously, as they're putting more torque on everything, right? Um, think about disability insurance. One of my biggest fears from age 20 to 50 was, what if I 
get in a car crash and I can't go to work. I'm not good looking, but I am in radio and uh, television. Uh, they support my career for sure, right? I have to have the ability to like deliver physically. I think you don't see a lot of Americans with disabilities in radio and television, do you? Which is pretty interesting now that I think about it. It almost makes me want to start stuttering or developing a stutter. No, 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 no. I need to behave myself, not, not, not go in that dark world. So Tiger Woods was the first athlete to reach $1 billion in career earnings. Isn't that something? And we saw Tiger Woods grow up on the Merv Griffin show playing golf when he was like four or five years old and Johnny Carson and things like that. Billion dollars. First athlete. Good for him. The 45-year-old survived several scandals. Remember he had a driving under the influence in Florida not that long ago. He's got a country club. He was divorced. You know, he doesn't have a country club. He's got a, a restaurant in Florida or something I, this even the story is murky now. He's got his new girlfriend. His bartender was serving like, what, no, what's happening here? No. Um, he's had a couple road issues in his life, to say the least. Road issues. It's one thing I'm not. I'm not a bad driver. I'm just a boring, boring driver. So will Tiger Woods be able to? Play and earn money again. Disability insurance. One of my big fears has always been the ability to not be able to go to work. The nice thing about it is typically if you work for – oh, I'm going to be careful there. I was going to say a legit company. If you have a career and you're a 40-hour-a-week salaried employee, sometimes the benefits usually offer disability insurance and you should take it up on it. Disability insurance is a – Probably one of the biggest reasons people go poor in their lifetime. Tiger Woods won't go poor. His sponsors, in fact, will probably stand by him. Going forward, any sort of appearance that he makes, even he shows up in waves, there'll be Nike got their red on kind of thing. But you and I aren't so lucky. And we also didn't earn a billion dollars. Think about that for just a second. By 2019, he was a billion. Oh, I'm sorry, 2009, he was a billionaire. Or he'd pulled in a billion. We don't know about his spending, right? Or his investing. Which is a quick reminder that your ability to earn income is probably your biggest asset. That's why I keep saying get disability insurance or make sure you have disability insurance or review your disability insurance. When you sign up for a company and they go, oh, by the way, if you, uh, if you get dismembered, we're going to give you a million dollars. You're like, what? Whoever gets their head cut off and you're almost like, I don't even know if I want to sign this. But the flukier the type of insurance, the more the payout could be, or sometimes I guess you'd say the more the premium would be. But you're not likely to be disabled. But if you do, it's going to financially hurt you. You're much more likely to be disabled than to die. Now, I like to ski, and my big fear is running into a tree. And here's a weird question for you. Would I rather be disabled or would I rather die? I've lived enough life. I've, I've seen the beautiful world that we live in from all aspects, right? Um, it's a joke that I used to bring up on radio that I, I guess I should bring up one more time because it's, it's a quick reminder. Um, 
my spouse, let's say we're driving, and I clutch my heart. And I'm like, hospital, heart attack. I don't ever want her to be in the situation where she goes, okay, I know a heart attack is going to cost at least $100,000 in hospital bills. He may not get back to work. I never want anyone to have that kind of decision. Do you have any decisions I see made about finances when it comes to people dying? More than you'd know. It's, it's, it's more than you'd think. It's, it's actually kind of tragic. But I want my spouse, am I worth more dead than alive? I don't know. It's a good question to have with your spouse, though. Um, and, and a good communication, like, I don't want to linger kind of thing. Eh. So disability insurance, super important. Are you worth more from life insurance or are you worth more from disability insurance? Um, you see a lot of people in California, not in California, but a lot of people in the United States who get disability and then they like it because they don't have to go back to work. They're making some money, but then they do have to go back to work at some period of time when they're considered better. It's a pretty hot topic. But how do you feel about Tiger Woods golf? Billion dollars in earnings. Uh, will the PGA ever be the same without him? He's one of the greatest golfers. Very competitive. Um, we'll talk about this and more. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, I wanted to talk, and I've been kind of been building up. Uh, 2021 is well underway at this point in time, and it feels like the um, financial media is saying that the transition from big tech, momentum, NASDAQ, growth stocks might be going to financials. It might be going to oil. It might be going to reopening ideas. Um, what's your general like uh, water cooler banter? What, what's the feeling you're seeing out there, sir? Well, it's it's uh, it's all over stock monitors, really. Um, you know, the S&P 500 energy sector is it's up 30 percent year to date. Um, you know, and you look at the uh, the technology sector is, you know, it's up one percent year to date. Right, financials up 12 percent. The Russell 2000 up 13 and a half percent. So you can definitely see it. In, you know, it's not just talk, it's, it's action, you know, um, whether it's retail investors, institutional investors, you know, fund managers, what have you. Uh, there's been a clear um, preference for the, the reopening trade and, and that being those stocks that are deemed to have the most leverage to reopening. And so you're seeing a lot of money uh, favor those cyclical and value name, uh, as well as the small caps, which tend to be more domestically oriented. And, uh, and it's really just kind of, you know, I mean, let's not forget too, Rob, I mean, it, it has paid in spades to own these growth stocks and these tech stocks. Uh, let's just say going back to 2009 when the fed, you know, came up with its answer to the financial crisis, right? So, um, so kind of what we're seeing now is just a little bit of a changing of the guard, if you will, uh, in terms of um, what market participants perceive as a better total return opportunity. And, uh, and that's where they're going. Um, that could change, of course, but, 
you know, one of the things that these growth stocks are, are running up against now, of course, is with the reopening, you have interest rates rising. Uh, and uh, as, as those rates go up, uh, it becomes a little more difficult to rationalize some of these stretched valuations predicated on, uh, you know, future cash flows. So one of my opening monologues when I do the show is something along the lines of right now, it keeps coming back again and again and again. It would be okay if we did a shift from growth, if the NASDAQ took a cool down period, if the big five, the Amazons, the Googles, um, the Apples just were to chill for a little bit and let a transition happen, let it be healthy. And again, that's what the, the question I have for you is if we do transition to say letting financials be the winner this year, is it healthy in your mind or is, is it long overdue? What's the phrase that comes to your mind? Um, is it a value trap maybe? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's, I would say that it is, you know, it's a healthy type of um, act in the sense that uh, as we're talking of, about bull markets, right, you know, you can have money that uh, rotates out of the stock market altogether, right? You can either go to cash and go to bonds, you know, uh, other other areas. But, you know, in a healthy bull market, what you just see is a rotation within the market itself. And uh, and so there's a reallocation, a redistribution of funds moving from some of these areas that were benefiting when uh, growth wasn't expected to be, you know, that great uh, into those areas that will benefit when growth accelerates. Uh, and, and it's just it's, it's a manifestation of of the uh, strong belief embedded in this market that 2021 is going to be a year of strong growth uh, as you, you know, get the vaccine distribution ramped up uh, as, you know, more businesses kind of open up, uh, you know, uh, adding capacity. And then as you see travel resume, things like that. So so it's a a natural circumstance. And I think it's a reflection that this market is still ultimately bullish uh, on, on overall prospects because that money continues to rotate, you know, within the stock market as opposed to Mm -hmm. just, exiting stage left in a hurry um, uh, all across the board. Interesting stuff. The 10-year treasury hitting 1.4%. That's been a pretty bold move the way I see it. I thought it would have crept up a little bit slower. Maybe I was wanting that versus expecting it. Um, what do you think about the 10-year treasury and some of the, the other forces involving the market right now? You know, Potentially $2 trillion or almost $2 trillion of stimulus. <laughs> Uh, monetary policy that's incredibly easing, but the tenure is telling us, hey, the economy's doing it. The tenure's marching and telling us maybe the economy's going to be doing pretty darn good in six months, regardless. Yeah, well, I think, you know, uh, rising rates and the, and the pace at which they go up can okay. be the great spoiler in 2021. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, what we've seen here a little bit, we've seen kind of a little bit of a some nervous excitement, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the pace at which the 10 years gone up in, in the early part of this year has has contributed to the narrative that, well, maybe these higher valued stocks, you know, probably can't run like they used to. You know, we should take some money off the table there. And that's and that's what's happening. You know, um, I think if you you know, you see an acceleration in the 10 year above two percent, uh, then it goes, uh, you know, that that mentality starts to seep into, you know, into more uh, broader areas of the market, right, where it becomes a, a, a true headwind. But it's something you got to watch really carefully because, uh, you know, we're hearing from Fed Chair Powell that, 
you know, he's not concerned about inflation, but that doesn't mean that the market isn't concerned about inflation. Okay. And if the market decides to, uh, I guess, price matters into its own hands as it relates to inflation fears, uh, and you get a rapid run up in long-term rates, you know, the Fed will have some problems on its hands trying to control those inflation expectations, and and things will get you know more volatile, and you'll probably see, uh, you know, more roller coaster trading action, and so. Just something that you know we obviously has to be kept uh, a close watch on, but but you should you know that all said you should see a rise in interest rates right now um, if if this if this economic forecast is going to come to fruition like the market thinks where you have you know four or five six percent GDP growth um, you know a nominal ten year yield at you know one point four percent just doesn't you know doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense and so. The path of least resistance, really, for rates, uh, you know, should be higher, and it's just uh, it's just a matter of you know how much or how little resistance there is in that upward track that's going to help dictate how the stock market behaves uh, in coming months. I like what you're throwing down the 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 line of interest rates could be the great spoiler of 2021. I like it for some reason it's jiving in my head of like uh, remember that or write that down. Other things that we're paying attention to, Patrick O'Hare, is there anything on your radar? Um, we're out of earnings season. We're kind of first 100 days of Biden. Anything economically, anything out there that you want to point our attention to? Well, I, yeah, I would remind listeners, you know, uh, what we saw in, you know, January, the early part of this month, you saw a nice, pretty, you know, January didn't end so well, but of course, you had a nice big move up in February, right? And and in that move up in February, you heard a, a number of well-heeled investors, you know, kind of come out and say, hey, valuations don't matter. Um, you know, you and I, Rob, we talked about uh, Mark Cuban one day, several weeks <laughs> ago, uh, make reference to that fact. Now, he was talking about stocks that don't pay dividend, and I kind of I get where he's coming from and, and kind of making that argument. Um, but I, what I remember saying to you then and what I will always say uh, as a fundamentally oriented analyst is that valuations always matter. And it's just sometimes they can be set aside for an extended period. But, you know, we're seeing it right now. We saw it yesterday morning when you had the mega cap stocks and the growth stocks are kind of like greater. Uh, over some interest rate concerns and what we're talking about today as interest rates go up, uh, you know, questions come into play about, you know, uh, future cash flows. And, and that's all a valuation uh, uh, based perspective. And so that, again, is why, you know, we have to keep close watch on interest rates um, because valuations do matter. They will matter. And, uh, and if interest rates get going up, you know, too quickly, you're going to see a matter across the board and not just in the, you know, the one pocket that being, you know, mega cap stocks and, and grow stocks. It's like the old uh, phrase, you know, it can go up until it doesn't. Um, thanks very mm -hmm. much, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Great insights today on the market. And uh, I missed him last week. So to catch up, um, the whole transition thing, it's, it's not going to be a one-week period. It's not going to be a two-week period. And in no way, shape, or form does it preclude you from the idea of buying the dips. Just know that <clears throat> the market is pretty heavily focused on these re reopening trades. When we talk about reopening trades, we could talk about um, some that have some growth to them and some that have some value. But the reopening is showing us signs of life as he talked about GDP growth in the 4 to 5 to 6% rate. 
and now again, this is going to be just weird for the history books because we're going to be like, why did we have 5% GDP growth? It's because, A, we're coming off this economic shutdown during COVID um, coupled with the U.S. economy is pretty good overall going into it. And as it bounces back, it should get back to those pretty good levels. Just record amounts of stimulus and prolonged periods of time of low interest rates. But the interest rates are picking up on it and going, aha, we see what's going to happen here. We're going to go back to a more – it's fallen into place in my opinion. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Some of the things Patrick just said, fundamentals always matter. Valuation always matters. Just sometimes we set it aside. Those, that's, that's priceless to me. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Go on it. I don't want to keep pounding this, but I yet keep pounding it, which tells me subliminally that's what I'd want to do. Tech stocks are dragged lower at this point in time as treasury yields are putting pressure on what are concerned risk, considered risky assets. So you may not think of a tech stock as a risky asset. You may go, oh, it's just an Apple phone, therefore it's just an Apple computer. Um, anything that can fall 10% in one minute to me is a risky asset. It's like, do you ever see those pictures of houses on the side of mountains and you're like, uh, or the people who sleep in tents on the side of a mountain? I'm like, yeah, that's a risky, that's a risky house. So that's a risky sleeping scenario for me, especially since I like to get up and move in the middle of the night. Okay. So right now, as the movement in bonds is to create a higher yield, some people might look around and say, you know what? I've got a million dollars. I made a lot of money in the last 10 years. I'm going to put some of that in a bond because I used to only be able to get half of 1%, but now I can get one and a half percent. It becomes even more attractive as it moves up to two and a half percent. And again, it, it, it's kind of a curb appeal thing where everyone wants it the higher it goes. And in theory, there's only so much money in the world to chase after these riskier assets. Um, and how do I put this? Like, um, It's the same idea of buying a house. If you buy a house in a good school district, you always have that going for you. Same idea with to pay attention to with 10-year treasury of keep an eye on it because as a riskier asset, it's a riskier asset to say, I'm going to buy into a brand new neighborhood that has no schools. It's a safer asset to say, I'm going to buy into a home that's close to a great school system. You already cut down some of your risk because you know someone may want to buy your home to put their kids in that school district. So we're kind of at this weird feeling, and I'm feeling a little bit of it. It's been a long time since I've said 1.4% on the 10-year treasury to the point that I almost find it attractive. And then I need to slap myself and go, what are you talking about, Rob? You like stocks under 3.5%. You don't like stocks when the 10-year treasury is at 1.4%. Anyhow, I loved what Patrick O'Hare said when he goes, the 10-year treasury could be the great spoiler of 2021. 
I don't want to put this is not a fear segment. This is not a Nostradamus segment. I'm not predicting the end of the bull market. But the bull market could be killed by a much higher 10-year interest rates. Now, again, I still don't feel that 1.4% is quite attractive enough for me to say, let's take money out of the 401k and park it into bond. It's not the white of their eyes, so to speak, but you don't have to play the game of the white of their eyes because there's going to be some people who automatically want to. 1.4 is better than one half. 2.4 is better than 1.4. Two, eh, now that it's pulled back, I'm going to lock in two versus 2.4. So we're going to keep an eye on that bouncing ball. Speaking of bouncing balls, Bitcoin rebounded back above 50,000 after more buying of the cryptocurrency from Square. More media pundits, is that the right way of putting it? Financial pundits are saying they don't understand it. Nuriel Rubini, who's also known as Dr. Doom. You imagine. No, he's not Dr. Doom. He's Dr. Gloom. Excuse me. Or he's Dr. Doom and Gloom. He's one of those people who um, thinks that the world's heading down a path of economic destruction because of the way we spend money as a world and the way we print money as a world. I'm... But he, he, he bashed Bitcoin saying it's, it's really not a hedge against inflation <clears throat> because when stocks go up, it goes up. So he doesn't like the way it behaves and he says it has no store of value. So more pundits are saying beware, beware, beware. Is that going to stop you or does that stop it from going to 100,000 this year? <clears throat> that's the going – that's not the going bet. Let's like, um, for the Super Bowl next year. Right after the Chiefs lost, a lot of money went to the Chiefs. But then as they got a little further away, some of that money is now saying, hey, the Buccaneers are going to win next year. And no one's saying anything about Aaron Rodgers. Like they, they see that as a mess. I know you're saying that Shailene Woodley story kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? It did. Um, <clears throat> so now I'm I'm out for good. But um, Bitcoin – the whole 50,000, I would say the, the prop bet right now, is it a prop bet? I think uh, the over-under is 100,000. Uh, does it get over 100,000 or does it stay under 100,000? And it's at 50,000 right now. Do you know how ridiculous it is that we're talking like this? And that's why the economic and the monetary pundits out there are saying, be careful. Um, so such a small amount of spending. And then Square comes in and buys more of it. And you're like, oh, you're killing us. So as we get the like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we should be more careful. Uh, we get that almost a cheerleader maneuver. Just throwing that out there. Um, back to the ten-year treasury. I still think that it's low enough that you favor stocks over bonds, generally speaking. Except for if you're risk averse, right now it's the sign that hey, you can you can move some of your risk to one point four percent. Now, if you're like thirsty for more risk, you're like, ah, I'll do that at three and a half percent. Somewhere in between is where most of us are. But if you're risk averse, I don't want to lose any of the money that I'm in in the stock market. You see, 1.4 percent is that's been a big march from 0.6. And I'm not saying 1.4 percent is the magic number. I'm, I'm saying the march from 0.6 is the the speed that we've gone from the U.S. economy is in perilous, horrible shape to we're thinking that it's looking better to the we're bringing up questions about inflation. This could be a big shift in the market. Now, again, does it end the secular bull market? No, I still think we have very low interest rates, very low inflation, high productivity. We've got plenty of innovation right here, right now. 
but we do need to get through this COVID issue and then realistically have an economy versus an economy inflated by trillions of dollars of government money, which should create inflation, which should be a, a hedge for gold versus the stock market, but Bitcoin's messing it all up. That's where my thoughts are. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial.